I'm Natalia Loback, and this is Change Course. Historians versus journalists. I once worked for an organization that had a historian on staff. And this historian was responsible for maintaining the archives of the organization that dated back over, I think it was about 200 years, chronicling the history of the profession in the country. What was so interesting about this is that the position of the historian having that position in an organization and having an archive and a records department that maintained the official story about the organization and more importantly, about the profession and those who were considered prominent, important, and those events that were considered important in history shows how valuable history and having the correct story was important to this organization and their function. One of the things that I found incredibly illuminating about this was that history was steeped throughout the organization as well. You couldn't turn a corner in the office, in the head office of this organization, without being confronted with the history and the prominence and the important contributions to society that its members had made. So I'll probably give it away by telling you a little bit about one of the specific things that highlighted this uh, relationship. So on the top floor of the organization was the reception area as well as a number of meeting spaces which were used for the members of the organization or the employees of the organization like myself, but also doubled as a conference space for the broader organization and membership to use. And in this space, each of the meeting rooms were named after a prominent member of the organization. So as a very specific example, there were five meeting rooms and two of the meeting rooms were named after a pair of physicians who made the discovery of insulin. And although there is some controversy about who may or may not be included, the official record of the organization is that it is credited to Drs. Banting and Dr. Best. And what's interesting is that the meeting room that was named after Doctors Banting and Best was actually a multifunction room. So you could divide in the middle and have 
just the room named after Dr. Banting. And the other side was just the room named after Dr. Best. So you could have one or the other or both combined. And I thought that was quite an interesting demonstration or example of how history was applied and had an impact on the culture, the physical environment, and the way that things were architected and organized within that organization. What was challenging about this culture was that it was one that was impervious to change. The organization spent a lot of time looking backwards at history. History was seen as something that had present day significance in almost every aspect of the organization's operations. You could also see this in how prominent the position of historian and the archives were to the organization and how this history was often called upon and used in different ways. And so, as we must always remember, history is written by the conquerors, by the winners, by the ones who hold the pen. And so, the organization, by maintaining this long history of the profession and of the organization itself, made itself out to be the undisputed authority on issues historical for the organization and for the profession in an environment where the external power structures and circumstances are often changing. For example, changes in government, changes in people who are in charge of building the relationships and negotiating agreements with this organization are always, there are, it's a game of musical chairs the people in those positions are always changing. And so the memory of the organization and the significance of its contributions and the contributions of its members is forgotten. It's not maintained. And so by virtue of the fact that the organization invests in this, they become the de facto authority the historian. When we talk about change in this organization, there is incredible knowledge and record keeping around how things have been in the past. And often this was looked at to chart the course and create that map for the future. And where this started to get difficult was as not just the external circumstances, but as the circumstances of the world changed, as modernization was knocking at the door for internal systems, process, practice, this was seen as a threat because of this strong influence of history. And so That is why one of the elements of connected change is history. And this experience that I had really helped me understand how powerful a tool 
history is and how powerful a tool historical record is in that after a certain amount of time has passed, there are few people left to dispute that record. There are few people left to challenge it. And so when we look at change, it's very important to confront history, whether that history is an oral history, an understood history, um, how people talk about or share insights and experiences about the organization, or in this case, very specifically, what is the recorded history of the organization? What is that record that we are working with? History, when we look back on history with a different lens, things start perhaps to look a little bit different. The world has certainly changed in the last 100 years and even more incredibly in the last three. And so history, while it's important to remember where we came from and how we got here, when we're talking about change, we're not talking about changing the past. We're talking about changing the future. And so thinking about history as a record that looks into the past, we need to be focusing on what is the future that we seek to bring about? What is that vision and how are we making it happen? Connecting it to history is important because it helps ground us. It helps connect that vision to the roots and the values. But if we spend too much time looking at history, it can impede us from progress towards that future. As for journalists, journalists have a very different focus. Their focus really is to report and document what is happening in the now, in the present moment. What is occurring that needs to be recorded and communicated? And so journalism is really a tool of the present. And I'm not talking about things like investigative journalism or, uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, blends of journalism and research. I'm really talking about just talking about what is happening, what is happening, just finding a way to unemotionally and factually report what is happening and communicating that to others. There is a value of transparency of journalism that is incredible. And also the fact that when the tool itself is used effectively, many different viewpoints and many different ways of looking at a situation can be documented and communicated at the same time, which is quite amazing. I'm talking about journalists because I recently spoke with a friend of mine who is the leader of a natural resources company. And this organization is working in a very remote location and they're looking at mineral exploration. And so this is a very, this can be a very fraught and difficult area to work in because 
you're working with small, very tight-knit communities, but oftentimes those who are coming in to do this type of work and type of exploration, first of all, have very negative uh, reputation associated with the activity, not specifically with perhaps the people or the company, but natural resource extraction has a very negative history in regards to how other companies have behaved in the past. We look at some of the track records of um, mining organizations um, in countries around the world, including our own. And this history can be very difficult to wrestle with, especially if the organization wants to do things differently. And so in my discussion with this leader, it came up that there had been some very interesting activities happening at a community level. So first of all, the organization itself has in its leadership members of the community, which was very important and a different way of approaching it than other large organizations who come in and do the same type of work. So making sure that the community is interwoven into how the organization operates and how the organization will benefit the community has been a really important part of how this organization has built itself and is operating. Not only that, but part of the mandate is of the organization is to figure out how they can support and give back to the community in a way that the community desires. So it's not a patriarchal colonial way of looking at it. It's actually looking at bottom-up grassroots community mobilization to understand how the organization can contribute to the community in the short and in the long term. As the organization has invested an incredible amount of time in understanding this community, investing in this community, including leadership um, in, you know, the company from the community, they have built this relationship of trust. And where the understanding at a higher level is that some of these organizations are not good for the community, for the communities they enter In this case, the community has changed their view. And so when a number of activists and protesters arrived to um, potentially stall or impede the work of this organization and to create a negative publicity environment, the community actually preferred that those individuals left. They were seen as not part of the community. They were seen as not helping the community. And so this was a very interesting and different reaction from what has been happening or what had happened at other locations with other companies. And so I asked this leader if they were communicating some of these differences and some of these changes. And the response I found incredibly interesting They had actually been encouraged by one of the members of the community to hire a journalist. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting way to look at it. So instead of accepting 
what had been reported in some of the media outlets about these protests and offering this one opinion about what was happening, the organization followed through and hired a journalist that was informed by the members of the community to talk about something different and a different interpretation of these events and to then communicate that. I found that this was a really incredible way to build that story and to connect it with the community that it was serving, especially since this was a community-generated idea and a community-generated initiative. How powerful to be able to use that conduit to craft, transmit, and communicate story in a really different way, especially since this community is invested in the change and they themselves have change that they want to see as part of this work. This is why story and history are so closely linked in connected change. We have to look back and think about where we've come from in order to truly understand how that change will impact us. And thinking about history and retelling history is really important to link the past with the future that we seek to bring about. Story is the tool that we use for that. So history is what it is. The historical record is what it is. But story is mutable. It's changeable. It can be used in many different ways. And story is a very powerful tool to connect the past and the present and the future together. It unites people. It creates vision and passion and excitement and importantly, connects people in the present to the future that they want to see. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, I invite you to like, rate, share, and subscribe because it helps others find us. Our music is Levity by Emily Clausen. Change Course can be found wherever you get your podcasts. And we have an accessible version with fully edited captions on YouTube. You can find the link to this version on www.charthouse.ca in the Change Course podcast show notes. While you're visiting us, sign up for the Change Navigator newsletter. We're launching shortly and you'll get a monthly dispatch of all things change and hear about the upcoming launch of ConnectedChange.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's never too late to change course.